Uh, hey, my name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, man, what a great morning of worship already. Um, so let me do a late introduction. Um, this was Tyler Bone, one of our friends from Missouri. She's actually the sister of Corey Garrett. If you know Jake and Corey, Jake's uh, tall, lanky guy who's usually up here hosting, and he's preached before. Um, but Tyler's here from Missouri, and she is here because Corey is waiting to uh, deliver little Thaddeus. All right. In fact, this morning, they've been in the hospital since Friday, um, waiting for his entrance into the world. In fact, I think Corey's more anxious for his exit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I think even a C-section might be taking place this morning. So uh, we want to be praying for them. Um, but so glad to have Tyler here with us worshiping today. Uh, let me mention a couple things, and we're going to pray and jump into this, this series. This is week one of this new series that we are kicking off called Gentle and Lowly. Now, I've been saying it for the last few weeks, but there's multiple ways that you can participate over the next 10 weeks. And all of this information is available on our website, friendshipwired.com. There's a little card there that says gentle and lowly. Uh, but we're going to be doing this sermon series on Sundays for the next 10 weeks, um, leading right up to um, Thanksgiving and I believe the, the last week of November. Um, and then there's a book that you can grab for free uh, and a study guide also at guest services while supplies last. Okay, I think we've got plenty of books. If you want a copy, there are limited amounts of the study guide. But if, if you want to dig in and read, that would be awesome. If you want to use that study guide to help you, that would be good too. Uh, I've posted on our website and also on social media uh, kind of a, a breakdown of the chapters and corresponding weeks. So this week we're kind of hitting chapters one and two. Uh, next week, for example, will be chapters three through five. And if you want to follow along and read along with us week by week, you can certainly do that, all right? Um, so the book and the study guide, you can also join a group. Uh, we have some groups kicking off. We have one on uh, Sunday night, which is honestly pretty much at capacity, but if you want to sneak in there, we might be able to fit you in. It takes place 6.30 starting tonight. Um, we also have a women's group that my wife, Annette Tate, is leading on Wednesday mornings. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, we have a Wednesday night group. And I want to try to push everybody towards the Wednesday night group. Um, everybody decided to sign up for Sundays this time. But Jay and Brittany Sermon uh, are going to be leading that group on Wednesday nights. Um, and so that's available to you. We are not providing childcare, but... Uh, Reimbursements are available, $10 per child per week, if that will help you uh, to be able to attend a group. All right, so all that information is online. Or hey, if, you don't, if you're maybe not wanting to, you're, maybe you're in an existing group and you want to use this content, I know there's some groups that are going to be doing that. Maybe you just want to grab a, a couple friends and start your own group and just work through this uh, on your own. If you need help with that, please let us know. We'd love to help you. Uh, one last way that you can get involved is we are kicking off a 14-day devotional. All right, so if you've got the free Bible app, um, there is a link um, on our digital bulletin and sermon notes. Um, and also on our social media, we're posting every single day. It's 14-day devotional. And it's basically, you can either join us in the Bible app on this reading plan and do this every day, or I'm posting on social media, 6 a.m. on Facebook in particular, uh, this audio pod podcast. So if you just want to listen to it, it's three to five minutes a day. But it's, it's around the content in this book, Gentle and Lily. All right, so there's a lot of ways that you can participate, and I hope you'll, you'll choose your own adventure, however you want to jump in and dive in. All right, so let me pray, and then we're going to jump into week one of the series. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to worship you. And God, I pray that you would help us to 
know and feel and experience the reality of what we've just sung, that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord who provides for every single one of our needs, from the smallest everyday need to the major needs that we have, the, the, the hurts and the difficulties and the suffering that we experience. God, that we would find this to be true because it is. You are our provider and you are enough for us. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we dig into your word today and throughout these next 10 weeks, Lord, I pray that this would come to the surface for every single one of us, that we would find it to be true in our own lives, in our own hearts, that you are enough for us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet with us today. I know that you will because we're asking you to, and you've invited us to come to you. And so, Lord, as we open your word, we just speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to, to know that every single person deals with sin and with suffering. Every single person deals with sin and suffering. We all see the effects of sin in our own lives and in the world, right, in the form of brokenness and death and sorrow and tragedy. We see the effects of sin every single day. And we also see the consequences of sin, whether that's from our sinful or poor choices or others' poor choices affecting us. We see the consequences of sin. And so all of us deal with sin. But then there's this thing of suffering that none of us ever escapes suffering, right? None of us is able to escape it. There's all kinds of suffering that we face, physical and emotional and relational. And you know, one of the things I've discovered in two years of being a lead pastor is this. If, if I need a, a, a subject matter, a sermon subject to come to preach about, if I'm stuck and I just need to preach about something, the easiest one is always suffering. And, and that's not because we're like suckers for suffering. It's because Every one of us deals with it, and every single one of us is looking for help and for hope. And so suffering, all of us experience sin and suffering. And so the subject matter of this series is, is worth our attention. I, I would even say it's, it's worth our close attention. You know, as a church, there are, are some things that we would affirm about who Jesus Christ is. All right, there's some things we would affirm about who Jesus is, that he's God in the flesh, that he, he is the son of God, that he is the savior, the Messiah, that all of the scripture and all of human history points to. We would affirm those things about who Christ is. There, there are also some things that we would affirm about what he has done. We would affirm that he was born of a virgin, that he he came and lived a sinless life, and he died a sacrificial death for us, but he miraculously resurrected from the dead. We would affirm and believe some of these things about who, who Christ is and what he has done. We would also, as a church, affirm some things about what Christ will do. There's some things that we believe. We believe that he will return, that he will come back, that he will rapture his church, that he will gather his people together, that he will ultimately defeat sin and Satan and the grave, that he will fully and finally establish his kingdom, that he will rule and reign for all of eternity. Those are things that we would, without a doubt, believe and affirm as a church. But we may not be able to fully affirm or, or comprehend or wrap our minds around some things in regards to what his heart is for us. And that's what this series is, is all about. It's about the heart of Christ for us. 
as sinners and sufferers in this world. And so here's my hope for you in the, in the midst of this, this series, this 10 weeks. My hope is that you will dig deep, that you will dig deep, that you will stretch yourself, that you will challenge yourself, that you will be open and vulnerable to whatever the Lord has for you. My hope is that you would look closely into the heart of Christ and that you would think deeply. All right, so if, if you haven't dug into the book, I'll say this about the book. This is, this is not some light, easy reading, all right? This isn't like picking up the Sunday funnies, if you even know what that is, and, and flipping through it and just casually reading. This, I don't think it's like a dry, you know, stuffy theology book. Um, I think it's highly applicable, and there's, it's chock full of theology, which is just the study of, of God. I think, but, I, but I, th- I think this will stretch you and challenge you if you will do this. And so that's my hope for you, is that wherever you're at, that you would, you would look closely and dig deeply and think deeply. My hope is that this book, this sermon series, will change you. Because if I'm being honest, it's changing me. You know, sometimes when I think about who God is, um, I, I think, man, he must be so disappointed in me. I'm always coming to him. I, listen, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I mess up a lot. And I feel like God has got to be so tired of me running and crawling back to him over and over and over for forgiveness because of my failure. And, and, and as I look into the heart of Christ, I realize, man, that's not his heart for me. And so it, it is changing me. And so my hope is for you that it will change you as well. And so I want to, this morning, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 11. And I just want us to read a couple simple verses here in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And this really sets the context for this whole study. And make no mistake about it, this, this series isn't about a, a book that some theologian, some pastor wrote. This is ultimately about the scriptures. And why I think this book could be so impactful is it because it because it drives us into the scriptures to consider the heart of of Christ. And so if you would look at Matthew 11, we're going to read verses 28 through 30. And Jesus is speaking here, and he says this in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for... I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so in the midst of this passage, this is the one time in the scriptures where Jesus talks about and describes his heart. And he says that I am gentle and lowly in heart. And, and this is really, I believe, and in, in you've, you've probably heard the scripture many times before, and I think the glue that holds this all together is Jesus describing his heart, which is gentle and lowly. But we, we can't really understand his gentle and lowly heart apart from all the other things that he says here in this passage. So there's three big things that I want us to just consider as we think about the gentle and lowly heart of Christ for us. And number one is this. The standing invitation from Christ. The standing invitation from Christ. So in this passage, verse number 28, Jesus makes this this invitation to us. He says, come to me, all who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so his invitation is simple. He says, come, come. I want you to, to come. And this invitation is open to all who hear. But the reality is that only those who are, I would say, self-aware of their need are actually going to respond. You know what it means to be self-aware? Like, this is one of these terms that's popped up a lot over the last number of years, especially like in leadership and growth and development. Self-awareness is this ability to see ourselves clearly, right? And to understand our emotions and to see ourselves maybe the way that other people see us. And so this is an important, like, characteristic, being self-aware. And, and, and what I'm saying here is that only those who are self-aware, that are, have this awareness about ourselves, that we are needy, that like we talked about last week, that we're sinful, that we're broken, that we, we need the grace, the forgiveness, the mercy of God. Only those who are actually self-aware of their neediness are actually going to respond to this invitation from Jesus to come. And, and as I was thinking about this, you, know, you can't be self-aware and self-sufficient at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like one of the characteristics of us as Americans, as human beings, is self-sufficiency. Like I can take care of myself. I'm good. I don't need help. I don't need anybody else. And this is kind of the characteristic of sinners is that we are self-sufficient. But you can't really be self-aware to understand yourself and understand your need and still be like, I don't need God. I don't need others. I'm, I'm okay on my own. I'm sufficient on my own two feet. But here is this call from Jesus. He says, come, and it's open to all. But he says, come to me. Come to me. He doesn't say, come to church, although I will say, come to church. <laughs> That's a great thing. It's a good thing. We're called to assemble and gather together to worship. And this is one of the things that is, is helpful and good for us. But he doesn't say, come to church. He doesn't say, come to a pastor or a person, or a leader, Jesus says, come to me, right? He says, come to Christ. And this is a standing invitation. In other words, until you die, or until he returns, the invitation is yours. Come to me. Come to me. And this is one of the most beautiful things that we see flow out of the mouth of Jesus and out of his gentle and lowly heart is this standing invitation. The invitation is, is open. So, you know, when I was thinking about a standing invitation, I don't, I don't know that we issue standing invitations often. Um, I can only recall one time where we've done this, and it involves um, our friends Jake and Corey. So as they moved here last year from Missouri, they lived with us for a few months while they were getting on their, their own two feet and finding work and, you know, home and all those things. And so spent, we saw them every single day for, you know, a few months. And the time came for them to move out. They were moving into their home and my wife Annette and I made a standing invitation to Jake and Corey. We've never done this before, but we, but we lived with them, right? So we said, hey, there's a standing invitation Thursday night. Anytime you all want to come over for dinner and hang out, you've got a code to our front door. Just come on over. I mean, let us know. That'd be great. So we make sure we have food. Um, but standing invitation, it's open. You are welcome to come anytime you want to. Now, we, we kind of played that through over a couple months, and it's been a long time, y'all, okay, um, since that's happened. As I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, when was the last time we did that? Life has just gotten busy. 
But, and someday they're going to come back and be like, hey, is that invitation still open? I'm like, yeah, come on, come on. But when I think about that, this is, this is what Christ has offered to us. The standing invitation that it's open. It is open always and forever. Until you die or until the day he returns, this invitation is open to you. If you are tired, if you are weary, if you are burdened, the invitation is open to you. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so we see the gentle and lowly heart of Christ in this standing invitation that he says, hey, you can come to me anytime, anywhere. The door is open. And so the first thing we see here is the standing invitation from Christ. A second thing that we see here is we see that the source of rest is Christ. The source of rest is Christ. So I want to talk about this idea of rest because I love the idea of rest. I love this word, but I think it's one of these words that we hear and we maybe think about, but we, we, we don't always fully comprehend the breadth of what this means in particular when Jesus talks about it. So rest is far more than just a day off, all right? I love a day off. I love taking Mondays are my day to just vegetate and to try not to think. And it's, it's you know, what I would call like my Sabbath. Um, but the word rest, it means to cease from movement or labor in order to regain strength. And, and so it's, it's just a stop. It's to stop and to stop laboring and working so that you can be refreshed so that you can recover your strength. And what we see here is that the kind of rest that Jesus is talking about goes far deeper than just physical rest. And we all need physical rest, but it goes so much deeper. He says, you will find rest for your, what? Did you catch it? For your souls. Come to me and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. So there is this reality that we all deal with in our lives that, that we have this ongoing need for our soul to recover. Do you know what I mean? So think about recovery. If you've ever worked out or you've worked out hard or you've gone through like some difficult like labor, and I think of... You know, women giving birth, that's labor. And when, when a woman gives birth, there's a period of rest and recovery because of all the energy that's been spent. We have this, this deep, ongoing need for our souls to recover. Do you know what I mean? It's because of all of the, the energy expend, expended, like fighting off the assault of the world and trying to just live life and figure stuff out and trying to make sense of, of all of the stuff of life. Do you ever just feel like tired, not just physically tired, like I need a nap, but just your soul, your mind, your emotions, you're just spent and you're tired. We have this ongoing need for rest that is more than just physical. It's, it, it reaches down into our soul you know, a Sabbath, you know, I mentioned that word 
something that was established by God in the beginning. He spent six days creating, and then the seventh day was a Sabbath, a day of rest. God didn't need to rest, but he was setting a pattern for us that we would take time every week in the seventh day that we would find rest and we would stop from all of our working and labor so that we could recover strength so we can continue doing the work that he's called us to do. And so a Sabbath is good. If you don't take a day off, man, you ought to take a day off. You need physical rest. Sleep is good. And if there's one thing you all know about me, other than hopefully that I love Jesus, is that I love sleep, all right? I'm a fan of sleep. My wife is a fanatic to another extreme. She loves her sleep. The Tates love to sleep, and sleep is good. If you don't get enough sleep, man, you ought to get sleep because you need physical rest and recovery. But have you ever noticed that, that a day off, that naps, that good sleep, it's never enough. It's never enough to address the weariness of your soul. Have any of y'all ever taken a vacation and come back and be like, I need a vacation from my vacation, right? I think that's our way of copping out and just be like, I just want more time off, right? But it's like exhausting and we need, because physical rest, it's never enough. And this is just a really cursory, you know, look into this idea of biblical rest. But, but let, me, let me kind of say this about rest. True rest isn't found in a location or in leisure. It's found in the Lord. So when we think about rest, we, we think about a location. If I could just get away to the beach or the mountains, or if I could just go on a cruise, or if I could just get away from here, anywhere but here, man, I can finally rest. And that's good. Do those things. You can find physical rest in those things. Or, or sometimes we think that you know, if, if I just, if I had this leisure, this, this hobby or this, and those things are great. If I could lose myself in some kind of activity or find some passion in something, that is great. Do that. I encourage that. But true rest, rest for your soul isn't found in a location. Like if I could just get away and go there, I'll find rest for my soul. Or if I would just engage in this activity, then that's going to bring me rest. No, true rest, the kind of rest that Jesus is talking about is only found in the Lord. In Christ, he is the source of rest. If you get away to a location, but you don't have Jesus, you may get some, you may get some good R&R, but you won't get rest for your soul. You could lose yourself in an activity and have fun and enjoy yourself, but if you don't have Jesus filling you up from the inside out, you won't find true rest for your souls. And we all have this ongoing need for this kind of rest. And Jesus is the source. And he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And if you would come to me, if you would take my yoke upon you and learn from me, you will find rest for your souls. Now listen now, because Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart, because this is his disposition, disposition, because he's approachable, because he's accessible, because he's humble, because he is gentle and lowly in heart, he is able to provide you with rest. So think about it this way. If, if you know somebody, if you've ever had somebody in your life that is demanding and irritable maybe unkind, unhappy, they're not approachable, they're not accessible, that type of person doesn't bring rest, right? 
They bring burden. They don't don't bring refreshing. They bring, like, distressing, right? They're exhausting. And and if God were the way that sometimes I, I picture him, that it's like, oh my goodness, I can't go back to him because he's going to be so frustrated with me. He's going to be disappointed in me. He's just going to want to squash me because of my, my sinfulness and my foolishness. And if I view God as, and if God were demanding and irritable and unkind and unhappy whenever I approached him, I could not find true rest for my soul in him. Right? Because we can't find that from somebody who is irritable and unkind. But because Jesus, he is not that way. He is gentle and lowly in heart. He is approachable. He invites us to come. And he says, my heart for you is gentle. I don't want to squash you. I want to free you. I want to help you. This is who he is. And because this is his heart for us, he can actually provide us with the rest that we need. And so we see that this standing invitation from Christ, we, we see that the source of rest is Christ. He is the one whom which we can actually find true rest for our souls. But then there's this, this third thing that we see here in the words of Jesus. It's the accessible strength of Christ. The accessible strength of Christ. And I just, I like this term, accessible strength. And I want to talk about this, this word that we see in this passage. It's the word yoke, okay? It's the word yoke. And it's not like the, the you know, the runny part of an egg. It's, it's a different kind of yoke. That's Y-O-L-K. Is that right? Y-O-L-K. This is Y-O-K-E. So a yoke was, and you've probably heard this before, but a yoke was, was kind of an agricultural tool. It was a neck harness for two animals, and generally it was for two oxen. And so this, this harness, this yoke would be strapped on or attached to these two animals and then attached to a plow or a cart or a wagon. And the idea was that they would share the load and together they, they could plow a field or they could, could pull a wagon or a cart together. And, and, and so when Jesus makes this de- declaration, I want to look at it again in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so when Jesus says this, when he tells us to take my yoke upon you, it, it, it's, not a, it's not a crushing command to us, but it's a gracious offer. What Jesus is not saying is, let me, let me pile on weight onto your shoulders. Because, especially in Jesus' day, his, his audience knew that this is what the Pharisees did. This is what the religious leaders did. They, they piled these burdens on the people's shoulders and around their neck that said, you've got to do this and this and this. You have to follow the letter to the T or you won't be accepted and they put these burdens on the people to be good and to do good. And it was this weight upon the people's shoulders that they couldn't bear. They couldn't be good enough. And Jesus said, that's not what I'm trying to do here. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He, he, he said, I don't want to pile on, but I want to lighten your load. Here's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, 
I want to come alongside of you. And I want to help you to, to carry the burden that is on your shoulders. You don't have to bear it on your own. I'm going to put this yoke upon us and it's going to lighten your load. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to walk alongside of you. The only, the only way this, this yoke terminology makes sense is to be yoked together, to be hooked up to someone else and for you to share the load. And Jesus says, we're not going to share the load. I want to take the load off of you. And I want to bear the load for you, alongside of you. And so here's the bottom line this morning. Don't miss this. He is strong enough to bear your burden, but he's gentle enough to care for your soul. Man, hear that. He is strong enough to bear our burden, but he's gentle enough to care for your soul. And I want us to remember who exactly we are talking about here. You know, there, there could be this accusation when we look at this passage that Jesus, who says he's gentle and lowly. Other, you know, the old King James uses the word meek and lowly or meek and humble. And we could look at Jesus and go, oh, he's just this weak person. But I want to remind us of, of, of what the scriptures tell us about this person, Jesus Christ. And I want us to see the Revelation chapter 1 version, the Revelation 1 description of, of this man, Jesus. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, John speaking here, he says, Behold, he, Jesus, is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Drop down to verse 12. John says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the, the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. You know who the son of man was? Who was it? It was Jesus. He says, I saw one like the son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But his, he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I'm not dead. I am the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death in Hades. This is Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords and the King of kings speaking. He says, I am the almighty. You know what that means? He says, I am the one with all might in all of the universe. I am the all 
mighty. And when we look at the scope of scripture and all that it says about Jesus, there is no doubt about his strength and about his power. But what I find most surprising is that the one person with all power in all of the universe is the one person who is the most accessible person in the universe. He is the one who has made the standing invitation to come to me and I will give you rest. This is an unending standing invitation. The one with all power in all of the universe is also the one who is most accessible to you and to me. I've been so convicted as I've read this book. I've seen the heart of Christ for me. And it's convicted me because I think about myself as a father. I don't think there's any other area of my life where I, I see my sinfulness. And being a father, like, man, I blow it a lot. And I I have this question. I've been a dad for 18 years, and I go, would my kids see me as accessible and approachable? And if I'm being honest, I look at my life, and I go, and I feel like this with with others, with my kids, maybe with as a leader, I tend to be more harsh and demanding and not gentle and lowly. And I've been so convicted. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I don't think I'm that way all the time. But when I look at my life, I go, man, is this what my kids, when my kids grow up and say, this is my dad's heart for me. And I'm working on that, y'all. But here's what I'm so grateful about today. Is I'm so thankful for the father heart of God for me. That his heart for me, his heart for you is that he is gentle and lowly. He's not waiting to squash us. He's not waiting to bury us beneath the weight of of our brokenness and our sin. He He wants to come alongside us and he wants to take the yoke up with us and he wants to to bear our burden. His strength is accessible. And I think that's at the heart of what Jesus says about his heart for us is he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart, this is my heart for you that you can approach me at any time because I'm gentle and low. I want to hear from you. I want you to come to me. And so what do we do with, with all of this information? What do we do with all of this stuff? I think it's, it's super simple and super clear. We take, we take him up on his invitation. Come to me. Come to me. The invitation is to find our rest in him. Not in a person, not in an activity, not in a location, not in our, our identity as a, as on, our, on our job or in our vocation or whatever it is to find our rest in, in him. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. 
to take these next few weeks and to dive deeper into his heart for you to read the book, to jump into the scriptures, to do this 14-day devotional, join a group, to process this alongside of, of others. I want to challenge you to take these next few weeks, not to just listen to a sermon series, not even to just read a book, but to dive deep into the heart of Christ for you and to be open and vulnerable to all that he wants to say and do in your heart. I want to wrap up with this, this quote from Dane Ortland, the, the author of this book, Gentle and Lowly. He says this, when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, when he sees the fallenness, the sinfulness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. And y'all, this is his heart for you. That when you sin, when you experience brokenness, when you experience brokenness, it's not like Jesus steps away and goes, oh man, let me back away until you get your stuff together like we would tend to do with someone who is in the midst of brokenness, someone who has hit rock bottom. We go, oh gosh, I'm going to wait till they maybe clean up their stuff before I, because that's a lot. That's a lot of baggage. That's a lot of, Jesus' heart for us is not that way. His heart for us is that he, he moves toward us. He moves in. He moves closer to us. And so when, when you fall, when you sin, when you experience suffering and brokenness, know that this is the heart of Jesus for you, that he moves in closer, that he comes more near. Why? Because he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us in this journey that we are on together into the heart of, of Christ. Father God, thank you for your deep, deep love for us. God, thank you that when we recognize our need, when we're um, open and honest and we're vulnerable, when we humble ourselves before you, God, when we confess what we don't want to confess when we come face to face with the reality of, of what's going on in our hearts and in our souls and in the inner man, the inner woman. God, when we come to you, you don't turn us away. You don't resist us. You, you don't stiff arm us. You're not hesitant. God, you're there waiting. God, you've already moved toward us and you're just waiting for us to respond, to, to come to you so that you can do what only you can do so that you could provide us with rest. That we don't have to keep carrying the burden of sin and suffering but that we can find for our souls. And so, Lord, I pray that in the course of 
these next few weeks for every single person in our church, every single person that chooses to engage on whatever level. God, I pray that you would, that you would draw near. I pray that you would reveal yourself. I pray that you would reveal your heart for us. And as we see it more clearly, as we recognize your Father heart for us, that we would indeed do what you've invited us to do, that we would come to you and find rest for our souls. And so God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to dive deep, to challenge ourselves, to consider your heart for us. I pray that you would do it work in every single heart and in our church over these next few weeks. God, that is what we want. And so help us, we pray in Jesus' name.